1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 76 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate how everything, and I mean simply everything, has a history, like sleeves, the wave. Do we mean like a wave in the sea or
2: a a gesture? Either, either. either. It's open. Hmm. And heat, or? Black and white, red, white and blue, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo and violet. (laughs) The the colours of the rainbow. Ah, Do you see what I've done there? Yeah, I wonder who first wrote those down.
1: I don't know. I would. Yep. And there's also the person who first saw the rainbow and the refraction of light, James. Exactly, exactly. And the first person who painted the rainbow, the first person who found a pot of gold under the rainbow. The difference of rainbows in cities and in the country.
2: And of course, we'll be following these links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. We will uncover everything about rainbows. But who knew, Sam, who knew that the history of shrinking... Is all about Renaissance miniatures, pocket-sized gadgets, secret messages, micro-writing, and Latin American drugs gangs. Oh, oh and head shrinking. Oh, and it, ship plans. But thing. you didn't know that. It's all I about didn't, ship plans. I didn't. No. Or that the history of soup.
0: The history of soup
2: <laughs> is that. in fact all about bathing. Is it? People bathed in soup. I can't wait to do that. Historically, it's about uber fog. So it's about the worst kind of fog that you could imagine. It's about a real pea soup. It's about dangerous explorations. Oh, and it's about the ultimate recipe for French onion soup. Okay,
1: but we're not doing soup or rainbows today, but I want to do them desperately now. Anyway, um, well, I'll tell you what we're doing in a minute. The man sitting opposite me is the queen of the Stone Age himself. (laughs) It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University, it's James
2: Daybell. Why am I, hello, but why am I a queen of the Stone it's Age? It's a very strange... here or something, oh, some, slightly later, but... And the man sitting opposite me is the Admiral of the Archives. It is the truly wonderful, famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis.
1: Hello, Sam. Hello, James. Um, so each week we come up with a crazy topic and try and talk about it. Now, this week, inspired by um, doing our podcast on the history of pockets, which I think you should all listen to um it was the snowy day the beast from the east was here and our kids came into my shed your kids came in my kids kids. uh, and the beast from the east he he was outside the kids came in and um, we went through our pockets we talked about what people used to keep in their pockets it was really cool anyway so it inspired us to do the history of childhood exactly um which which is great isn't
2: it I love it. I love it. I have a thought piece for you. You know quite a lot about this, don't you? I do. I do. In fact, I teach a whole module on the family, sex, and society mm. in the early modern period, and so childhood is one of those things that I I know something about. Okay. Yes. Unlike most of the other things that we talk about, which I know nothing <laughs> about. <laughs> Me too. Whereas this, I, I'm. <laughs> but I, I don't know which is worse. Whether it's whether it's worse. You know knowing a lot about something and then trying to talk about it in a I think that's a worse. Sort of general way it is worse isn't it yeah because
1: you don't I, because you're relying on previous knowledge whereas if you're doing stuff more or less off the top of your head you're you're exactly. thinking more creatively
2: exactly but I have for you uh just to get us going just yeah. to get us in the mood I have some poetry I know you love love a bit of poetry I love a bit of poetry Ben Johnson's epigram 45 yeah. which is on my first son which is a it, it's a really tender poem written when his son th- son dies. Mm-hmm. Farewell, thou... Give us sh- the date. Uh, I haven't got the date, but it's roughly 17th century. Thank you. Okay. So Ben Johnson is a playwright, poet, sort of contemporary of Shakespeare. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, he writes court masks uh, with Inigo Jones, the famous architect yep, yep. throughout the Jacobean period. Farewell, thou child of my right hand and joy. My sin was too much hope of thee, loved boy. Seven years thou wert lent to me, and I thee pay, Exacted by thy fate on the just day. Oh, could I lose all farther now, for why Will man lament the state he should envy, To have so soon scaped worlds and flesh's rage, And if no other misery yet age, rest in soft peace, And asked, say, here doth lie Ben Jonson, His best piece of poetry. For whose sake henceforth all his vows be such, and what he loves may never like too much. So it's I mean I can't read that without a sort of shiver yeah. going down my, no, it's my spine. Yeah. So it's about so several things that come to mind here. One is about the if we're thinking about childhood. One is about the the nature of childhood, the value that parents put on children, the 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 nature of feelings yep. between you know parents and children and historians, as opposed to per- adults as and opposed adults. to adults and adults, or adults and teenagers all yeah. yeah and you know whether there is affection within the family and certain certain historians have argued that maybe there was maybe there wasn't yeah
1: in different but, periods
2: in different, in different locations. periods in different locations oh. but also the kinds of as, as something that we're always interested in is the kinds of historical sources that you can yeah. study to unpack particular histories and here we've got creative literature so okay. we've got poetry yeah and you know, this is being able to identify the love between a parent and yeah, a child yeah. in
1: historical sources yeah.
2: and maybe with a poet what you've got is somebody who is more sensitized more sensitive to their inner emotions mm-hmm. than say uh, you know uh, uh, you know just an, an ordinary dad yeah.
1: Um, and there's art, which I'll be talking about later, yep. and song, and all sorts of things. But I should think in diaries as well. People oh, writing about I mean, the loss there's... of kids, the birth of kids, yep. um, their yep. um, sort of re- recent yep. achievements, things like that. Yep. Hmm. Where do you want to take us with with childhood? I'm generally going to be talking about games, games, all oh, different types of games, games. because um, I yes, I love them. I'm going to show you a video first. Okay. Which will uh, where would people me, find this video? Um, they nowhere. It's on my nowhere. phone. I'm just oh. going to, I'm going to show it to you. It's a very private one.
2: Hmm. Oh.
1: Um, there we are. So this is it's my son doing a card trick for my dad. Ah. Okay. Um. Hi, Grandpa, I've got a magic trick for you. I
2: need you to keep your eyes on the Queen of Diamonds. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so what What he did here was he said to his grandfather, look, I watch this. I want you to keep your eye on the Queen of Diamonds. He then flicked it with his finger and it changed into the... Queen of Hearts. Yeah, it, it's
1: um, yeah, it's called a switch change. Actually, it's, a, change. it's one of one of the sort of early card manipulation things that you can learn. And um, you hold it between. You hold one card between. Well, you, hold, you actually hold two cards between finger, uh, forefinger and thumb. And you you more or less flick your fingers, and you can you can make them one vanish and turn into yeah. the other. Now that's um, so that was like a really big moment in our lives. Yeah. We play a lot of cards, and I'm going to be talking about um, childhood games, particularly in the Tudor period. Um, But I want to start by talking about uh, my memories of games um, because there's an interesting point here. One of the games I'm most interested in is a game called Three Card Monty. This is a variation on it, and it's the first card trick that I saw that made me think... How do you do that? Because it was clear that I was being tricked.
2: You have demon cards.
1: I, I do. They're just they're, yes. they're, these are these are from a racing demon pack. We play a lot of a lot of cards at home. So there are three cards here. You've got to follow this one. So that is the Ace of Spades. Okay, it's at the, the far the, right. That's a song, isn't it? The it, Ace, Ace of, of Spades. It is. So the first thing I'm going to do. Yes, I'll, I'll tell you the story. That happens. I'm so following This you. guy taught me how to do it. He said, "Yes, right." First thing you can do, you've got to follow the Ace of Spades. So okay. it's on the top. It's on the top right. So the first thing we do is we're going to put that on the bottom. So he said to me, where is the Ace of Spades? And I said, well, quite clearly, it's on the bottom. And he said, no, that's the Joker.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) You owe me a pound. And I was like, oh, this is not really good. kind. Yeah. So I said, OK, if it's not on the bottom, maybe it's back on the top. And he said, no, that's the Joker. (laughs) You owe me two pounds. And I said, oh, this is completely ridiculous. It's got to be in the middle. He said, no. That's, that's the, the Joker. Joker. <laughs> you owe me three
2: pounds. And I Brilliant. said, well,
1: you're such a clever magician. You've, you've made it vanish. And he yes. said, no, it's there. It's there. Okay. It's on the bottom.
2: Yes. How are you doing you, you, this? You this, me... is, this is witchcraft.
1: <laughs> you owe me four pounds. And he said, I'll tell you what, you're doing so bad at finding the ace of spades. I'll give you a trick. I, I want you to find one of the two Jokers. And I said, look, if the ace of spades is on the bottom, then it's got to be on the top. And he said, no, that's the ace. And I said, oh. Then he said, right, you owe me five pounds. I said, it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's got to be in the middle. And he said, no, that's the ace of spades. I said, right, (laughs) I give up on this. You haven't got three cards. And he said, here they are. One, two, three. You owe me seven pounds. I said, oh, come on. Then he said, I'll tell you what, because I like you, which is a classic magicians thing, I'm going to give you a chance of winning it all back. Okay. So what I want to do is tell me what card, that's the joker there. That's the ace of spades there. Tell me what that card is.
2: That is a joker. It's it's not. <laughs> it's a jack of diamonds. <laughs> yeah. Which you haven't seen. No. It's, no it's, I haven't seen. No. Oh, you card sharp
1: you. Completely straight up magic. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a wonderful trick and I've always been super fascinated by that. And then there's the um the other one where they 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 move them around like this. So your job here is to follow This is do that. So if you can follow the joker,
2: yeah.
1: There. All you got to do is follow the joker
2: it goes down (laughs) oh the joker I didn't see the joker I was following the ace okay
1: follow the joker there it's the bottom one so it goes down like that yep Yep. and you can move it around
2: yep there
1: very good oh how did I get oh now you were following the joker that's right Right. that's what you're trying to do so same again yep joker's on the bottom yep okay there very good okay (laughs) there no. Oh! <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready.
2: That. Yeah, very good. Anyway, so that's the that's um, Bell has, that's the has big eagle eyes. He does have eagle eyes. I'm not going to do it again, guy. I'm on a winning streak. <laughs> right, you owe me five pounds. For I that. do. I got all the money back. From the other one. It's that's an amazing clever. card uh, trick. When we're, when we're offline, yeah. you'll have to tell me how it's done. So basically, you have well, the idea is you have
1: two jokers and an ace, and James has to follow the ace, and then he gets it wrong six times in a row, and then right at the end, you actually show that one of the cards. He's is a, not, a, j- is a, a jack, jack of diamonds, right?
2: And are they so? They're they're. You don't change the cards. There's no. It's just all about clever yeah. finger work. Kind of clever finger work, which you did very very also. well. Because I didn't. You completely fooled me. Yeah,
1: you thought you got it at the beginning. Paul Daniels, you
2: eat your heart out. Paul Daniels. <laughs> so
1: um, what I love about that is is I think is a, is for me it's a moment in childhood when you understand. that, there is deception and that there can that you know magic doesn't exist because you' you're given these yes. as well at the end you can see there are only three cards and you usually do it this leaves right up because yeah. you actually do it with three yeah, yeah. cards yeah and um so for me that that's kind of a, always been a big moment in my life and i think my my kids are starting to realize that as well but it's also really linked with this kind of adult relationship with innocence as well it's not yeah. just about kids so yeah. it's about In that respect, you've got an adult showing a child who's not seen it before. But then you've got a kind of a parallel story of adults showing other adults who've never seen it before. The same sort of thing doesn't happen now because you can go onto YouTube and see how all of this stuff's done. Um, Before, people used to kick people out of the magic circle for for revealing how tricks were done. But there were some areas in the world where particularly kids and very innocent adults were conned almost all the time regularly, people made hundreds of thousands of pounds in the eighteen forties, eighteen fifties, particularly the river boats, Mississippi right. river boats, right. traveling things and also the Union Pacific Railway. Card shops. Card shops. So for me this the, the history of childhood is actually it kind of really it's it's to do with the history of innocence. It's to do with mm. the history of sort of understanding cons, understanding manipulation and, and thinking about magic. It's quite mm. complicated. Anyway, and Very if you good. if you look into this history, there are a couple of amazing um a very famous con man with brilliant names there's Canada Bill Jones from 1820 to 1820 to 1877 and he was known as one of the sort of most well-known card sharps on the Mississippi riverboats and he made $240,000 oh. moved on to the Union Pacific Railway and then um when he finally died his fun- he died in Chicago his funeral was paid for by all of his gambling mates in Chicago and as they were <laughs> lowering his coffin into the ground. One of them said, I'll bet you a thousand bucks, he's not in the box. <laughs> but tellingly, no one took him up on no, the bet I because bet. he'd got out of tighter yes. spots than that before. Big <laughs> tighter spots than being dead. Um and then another a very famous guy called Soapy Smith. Soapy Smith. Who died in 1898. Um, famous con man who who they hung out around um gold rush people, particularly. So he was known to be hanging around the Klondike gold right. rush people right. who'd made all their money and there was money around. And
2: he'd fleece it from
1: them. So um for me, I think that there's a... Fa- I'm going to talk more about games, but um, it's to do with the sort of transition between innocence and awareness of the world around you and yeah. and being tricked, which I think adults Very can understand good. as much as children can
2: understand. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, I mean, if I were to think about games, and I know you're going to talk a, a little bit about it, but, I mean, I am kind of interested in the kind of games and play... That children engaged in, and and if we think about that, how we reconstruct that, we can reconstruct that from all kinds of sources. If you look at literary sources, you can see descriptions of what children did. Um, we've got archaeological remains, we've got pictures, all those kinds of things. You know that kind of recreate this. You look at the V&A, the Victorian Albert Museum's history of childhood, and it is simply just full of all kinds of doll's houses and all kinds of games across. Across time, yeah. Uh, so that that's absolutely fascinating. I think one of the things that's difficult. If I want to talk a little bit about sources and then talk about accidents, um, one of the difficult things about childhood is actually, certainly for earlier periods, pre, say, eighteenth century, it's really difficult to write childhood, the history of childhood from a child's perspective, because you've always got these kind of sources outside that are either preaching to children so they're religious sources, or you've got educational tracts that say how you should bring up children, yep. um, or you've got parents recording children. But it's so rare to get children's actual words yep. themselves. One of the best categories of documents, and I know we've both worked on this recently, um, is coroner's records mm, yeah, yeah. and accidents. Yep. And there's a brilliant project at, at Oxford. <laughs> brilliant love it. project it's, at Oxford. makes such good reading. <laughs> Steve Gunn is in charge at Merton College, Oxford is in charge of a massive um, project uh, to look at accidental death across the Tudor period and he's uncovered you know brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, and in fact, coroner's records which record strange and unusual deaths. so the coroner goes in investigates it you've got the the description of the death and then all kinds of incidental information around it so you can piece together if you look at child childhood deaths you can then piece together all sorts of um contextual detail about children's lives where did these accidents take place were they in the home were they in the workplace did they accompany children did they accompany parents to work all that kind of thing you can look at you know you can compare girls and and boys um, and so you can get a really detailed idea, not only of their day-to-day life, but also you can reconstruct their play. Yeah. There's a really, really sad account. Uh, and this is probably one of the big finds of this of this project, which was a coroner's record for 1569. One Jane Shakespeare um, drowned while picking marigolds near Upton Warren, which is close to Shakespeare's right. hometown of Stratford. Yeah. And they speculate, the project speculates that this may in fact be um, one, oh, I know what of, one of the say. sources for Ophelia yes. in Hamlet. Yeah. I just um, got there before you. Yes. But also, I mean, ac- I think accidents are brilliant. And um, one of the best, I think accidents are brilliant. You can't really say that, can you? But you know what I, you <laughs> Childhood know what I mean? Accidents Childhood are accident, accidents are brilliant for historians to recreate the world of play. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a kind of world pre health and safety. Uh, there is a brilliant diary by John Dee. John Dee is the English mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, occult philosopher, advisor to uh, Queen Elizabeth the
1: We talked about him in mirrors. Didn't we, we did
2: talk about him in mirrors. He yes. saw, saw spirits in mirrors. Yes. Yeah. yes, look at our
1: History of Mirrors podcast. He's a yes. great
2: person, John Dee. So we've ha- we have we have his diary that survives and he describes in it... Um, he seems to have been around a lot around the household and he describes all the numerous accidents that his children uh, have got into. And I'll just read you a few. Um, on the 3rd of July, 1582, at a quarter past 12, Arthur D fell from the top of the Watergate stairs down to the foot from the top and cut his forehead to the right eyebrow. Um, on New Year's Day, uh, 1588 um about 9 of the clock afternoon michael going childishly with a large sharp stick of 8 inches long and a little wax candle light at the top of it did fall upon the plain boards in mary's chamber and the sharp point of the stick entered through the lid of his left eye towards the corner next to the nose and so pierced through insomuch a great abundance of blood came out under the lid in the very corner of the said eye The hole on the outside is not bigger than a pin's head. It was anointed with St John's oil. The boy slept well. Uh, And it goes on. Um, There's another accidental daughter... Uh, 21st of May, 1589, Catherine, by a blow on the ear given by her mother, did bleed at the nose very much, which did stay for an hour and more after she did walk into town with the nurse. So basically, her mother has sort of slapped her so hard, she's made her Burst bleed. Burst eardrum. And this has to be my favourite. Um, on the 27th of June, 1591, Arthur, wounded on his head by his own wanton throwing of a brickbat upright and not well-avoiding the fall of it again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the brick weighed 21 pounds. <laughs> he's just hurled it up in the he's, air and it's he's him. He's hurled it up and, it, and, it's clunked, and it's clunked him. So, I mean, this is, this is an example of how, you know, read creatively, you can... I mean, you can do all sorts of things with that, you yeah. know, and you get a sense of accident-prone children, but also the kinds of sort of silly, wanton things that, that children did but it makes it all come alive and it so,
1: seems so real yes doesn't it absolutely. but i should think there are some fairly massive traps there that you don't want to be falling into yes, yes because the moment as a historian the moment you're seeing parallels with the modern world um it's it's very easy to assume that everything was the same and actually yeah, yeah. you know the it,
0: it's
1: it is a it's a it's a it's a crazy world the past yeah. and even when you see things like that it should I suppose, like it's just done in my mind, it should fire off alarms in your head not to get too carried away yep. by by seeing parallels yep. with for the past and the present.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainer's. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, That's stamps.com. Code program. Okay. But Absolutely. Occasionally
1: you do. Yes. And aren't they wonderful? Yes. And I think, I, I wonder if in childhood that happens more um, more often in the study
2: of childhood. Gosh, there's a there's a question we need a day to think about. Huh. Um, you got but... 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, you know i mean i think we are we live in a world of helicopter parenting now and i think if we were to compare um you say the early modern period which we were talking about there i think the, you know children would have had much great a much greater de- degree of freedom yeah yeah to sort of, and would have had to grow certainly children lower down the social scale would have had to grow up much quick much more quickly much more engaged in in work they're not going to school on a regular basis lots of them are, are homeschooled some of them don't go to school they're they're illiterate um this comes back you know, to my points about trust and and innocence
1: as well doesn't it because people become streetwise a lot earlier yep yeah, yep
2: yeah, yeah. i mean they, there's a whole you know i mean the the history of childhood is incredibly sort of varied and complex and if you look at the if you think about it over a child's life cycle you know there are all kinds of aspects that you need to to sort of take into account there's there's sort of childbirth, then then child rearing and upbringing, the sort of sort of early children. Then there's education, yeah, um, and how you how you sort of bring up a child and how you how you actually think about a child. You know, in the medieval world, uh, children were innately evil, born with sin. Mm. Um, by by the time we get into the sort of sixteenth century, with the sort of rise of humanism, they're sort of more of a sort of neutral figure. So they're, they're sort of a blank canvas. And then, you know, into the Enlightenment, they're seen as, you know, much more much more good and innocent. But that kind of idea of childhood innocence yeah. has changed, you talked about earlier on, has changed over time. I'm going to China next week and I'm oh. going to be doing some stuff on Confucianism. Oh. So,
1: so early Chinese religions. What does he say about? I don't know, but I want to find China. out. If anyone knows, let me know. Good. Hmm. Excellent. Um, Back to my games. I am a yes. silly okay. person at heart. No, no, games are good. Um, and you all need to know about this, basically. This is just one of the coolest paintings ever made. It's by Peter Bruegel the Elder. Brilliant. And it's called Children's Games. And it was made in 1560. So Peter Bruegel was one of, sort of the most famous Dutch Flemish... Um, artists of the Dutch and Flemish Renaissance. Yeah. Um, he didn't quite um, coincide with Henry the Seventh, but he certainly existed whilst henry VIII was king edward the sixth a little bit of jane mary and elizabeth so if you want a kind of a parallel to what's going on uh in england then it's basically it's it's full-on tudor stuff isn't it yeah right this painting is the business it's a um have you got it up in front of you there or, or not i've seen it's the front cover of nicholas orme's
2: book on medieval ah the excellent nicholas Orme, yeah. yes
1: he wrote some a great book called the cathedral
2: cat I'll bet he did. He's he's prolific. Cathedral, yeah. Um, Hello, Nicholas. I'm sure you don't listen to this,
1: but (laughs) you should do. Right, this painting. It's very. The colours are interesting. It's very sort of brown, isn't it? Um, Yeah. So you've got a busy. It's a busy, busy. There's so much going on. I don't know where to begin. It's like at a town square, probably somewhere like Antwerp, probably. Around about the 1540s, I'm guessing, 1550s. Um, you've got a few buildings, different types. You've got a large kind of town hall-y type. You've got a few merchants' houses in the background. You've got a river. You've got some trees. And
2: then you've got uh, 200 kids. Yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent of a of a lunchtime break in a schoolyard. Okay, that, yes, well done. Yeah, that, so know, Everyone's run outside. Everyone's run outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that you've got about
1: 200 kids, and they are all... Playing games. Yeah. And they're all playing different games. So it is a, it is, it's it's childhood games somewhere like Antwerp, somewhere like the 1550s, preserved for eternity by one of the world's greatest artists. Um, if I could put it in a sentence. And it's brilliant. <laughs> so you yeah. should all go and look at it. It's called Children's Games by Peter Bruegel. Now, what's superbly brilliant about this, I'm going to stop saying brilliant in a minute. I'm just a bit overexcited, is that historians have gone through it and identified the 80. No way. Different games that are being played.
2: There's time well spent.
1: <laughs> well done, historians. <laughs> right. So some of them you'll know, some of them you won't. I'm not going to go through all 80. We'll go through a few of them. So and um, what's interesting here is that some are boys playing with girls. Some are boys playing with boys. Some are girls playing with girls. Some are boys playing on their own. Some are girls playing on their own. Some are teams of mixed kids playing together. So um, let's look at this list of 80. It starts off with number one, playing with dolls. Oh. That's interesting. In this example, it's girls playing with dolls, but we also know that boys play with dolls and that there is a kind of gendered history of that, which we can explore. Um, dolls' houses. Dolls' houses. Um, someone's playing at mass. So they have basically created a little oh. Catholic altar yes. out of a sort of seashells Brilliant. and bits of sticks and stuff. Yep. Um, Someone's shooting an owl with a water gun, <laughs> which is great. Excellent. I love the fact they had water pistols then. Um, there are kids wearing masks. There are kids swinging, swinging, climbing a fence. Someone doing a handstand. Rolling hoops, I see. Yeah, rolling hoops is excellent. Somersault. Fence riding. That looks really good fun. So they're on a fence. Three Go kids on, on a fence. Like, pretending it's a horse. Pretending it's a horse. A mock wedding. So there's a little conjugation oh. and a couple of kids getting married. Running the gauntlet, which is a very famous, not not particularly pleasant one. They're doing this running through legs. So you've got Oof. eight kids lined up either side, and they're kicking frantically. Oh! And someone <laughs> someone has to run through. Did you through ever it. play that? No. Um. But there's a there's a note on this game: painful but dynamic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Blind man's buff, um, playing with birds, making hats with twigs, soap bubbles. Well, we've talked all about soap bubbles yes. in our podcast on the bubble. That's a brilliant. Um. Um, knuckle bones. I wanted to do that, but we just haven't got enough time in our place. Sorry, space in our shed.
2: Knuckle bones? How, yeah, is that f-
1: wraps? No. So you have... So you imagine like bones, like like a knuckle. Yeah. Okay, when you've got, say, 10 of them. Yeah. Um, so one of the ways I know of doing it, you have a bouncy ball, and you throw the ball up in the air, it bounces once, and you have to pick up two knuckle bones and then catch the ball. Ooh. Next time you throw the ball up, it bounces once, you have to pick up three knuckle bones and it catches the ball. Oh, okay. And, and so there are different throws. So the other ones, you have to say throw the knuckle bones up they land on the back of your hand and then you have to catch them again without dropping ah, okay. them it's um all you need is a handful of like little things yeah and you can spend hours inventing like jumping jacks exactly yep. that's the, kind yep. of the modern way of yep. doing it yeah um mora is brilliant mora is like paper scissors stone right but you just use your fingers so ah. you and i do it now so you do one hand and we go one two three, three. and you're going to put out none one two, three, okay. four, or five fingers. Okay. I will do the same. We've got to guess the number. So we take okay. it in turns to guess the number. Okay. This bet will just do it for £50. Pounds. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so go I'm one, two, it. three. So you say a number, okay. and we'll both do something on hand. So go okay. one, two, three. Two. Uh, That's four. 50 quid. That's no, four. No, no, no. Because, I, oh, I didn't understand okay. it. Oh, shut up. You no, say, okay. None. We both did two. None then. It's my go now. So one, two, three, eight. And again. None. One, two, three, eight. Two, so that's five. Anyway, five. it does go on and, okay. on and on and on. It gets quite exciting. I don't like it. Do you not? Know? You <laughs> no. a feel a bit stressed. No. I much <laughs> prefer raps. Okay, uh, raps is painful. Um, there's yes. a pinata. There's um, people walking on stilts, leapfrog, uh, hobby horse. Anyway, it goes so these on are, and these on, are sort on of a, and on. You know, long-standing childhood games. Yeah, one of that them you'd see kids playing nowadays. <laughs> one of them urinating with the, with the following note: technically not quite a game, but practiced often. <laughs> well done, historians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. Very good. I don't know who
1: actually wrote that. Bowling bot there's a, someone set a fire to some stuff, there's a bonfire, catching, tiddlywinks. Um Did you know with tiddlywinks that the things that you flick are called winks and the things you flick them with are called a squidger? No, I no, didn't. I didn't know that. And the and there's a little pot, isn't there? Yes. Mash pot. Yeah. Anyway, there are loads. Someone's spinning a hat on a stick, like you might see clowns do nowadays, pulling hair. <laughs> Note, historian, a game or a fight? <laughs> Wise words, Mr. Historian or Mrs. Historian, whoever you are. Thank you. So um, the whole purpose of me talking about this is basically to get all of you to go and look at this amazing painting. Um, it'll transform your understanding
2: of childhood in the 1500s. Excellent. So I want to move from childhood play into the classroom and to think about education. Yep. Um, and... I think this is one of the probably the easiest uh ways to look at childhood because across across time, he says in a very generalized way, we have all sorts of educational manuals that deal with childhood upbringing and education. Um and education starts off if we're looking at it in across a a, chronologically, um what we see is the rise and democratization of education into the twentieth century, which we can map onto l- literacy levels, so you're and saying ability more, to read. More kids are being educated. More kids are being educated. Social classes, you know, in yeah, social uh, are going to school, being able to read and write. Yeah. Um and we can, you know, we can map all of that. We've got things like children's exercise book that's Books that survive from the medieval period onwards, yeah. which tell us a lot about you know the kinds of things that they that they did in school. What I want to go, what I want to talk about is precocious children. Hmm. You know, children who are you know who particularly excel. And I have one favourite. Uh, Do
1: they know that? I always assume a child has to
2: know it's precocious. Oh, they know. Precocious they know they're. Pre, they comes know, with a touch of arrogance. They know they're. They know they're precocious. So a little aristocratic boy. Um, 1530s, uh, off in France, uh, a little boy called James Bassett, who is the son of Honour Lady Lyle, who's married to uh, Arthur Lord Lyle, one of the Plantagenets, who is the Lord Deputy of Calais. And we know about him because this massive correspondence, uh, a collection of papers survives, called The Lyle Letters, edited by Muriel St. Clair Byrne, six Volumes. Uh, you can also get a tiny little abridged volume. It's a wonderful story of family life, but also um, politics in the reign of Henry VIII. It's the time of the Reformation. But within it, we've got this really nice collection of letters between a mother and son, and also uh, the mother and the tutors. So we know. So this is a boy who we know an awful lot about. We know exactly what he's being taught. We know how he's gone to. You know, he's being taught in by a French. Uh, master, he's being housed with different sort of um, French families. You know, all of this is basically to give him the kind of training to be a young aristocrat and courtier and somebody who who then goes into the church and is quite high up in, uh, you know, becomes quite high up um, uh, in in terms of his career. Um, But we have this little collection of letters between him and his mother, uh, which are just brilliant. And from that, you see him roughly age nine and ten, and you see him beginning to learn to write. So some of his his letters are they're really sort of formulaic, dear madam, blah 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 blah. And and he's basically like practicing these sort of different forms of politeness to her. Uh so they're they're kind of little exercises, but there are a couple where you see this really precocious personality coming through. Um and one of the letters he describes um having sent his mother a pair of gloves. Uh, the gloves had to, of course, come into one of these podcasts. And he says, I will not tell you what these gloves are, but I will I will describe them here um, in this letter. And he describes them in great detail because I do not trust the man who's carrying them not to steal them yeah. and replace them with other gloves. <laughs> and then he, as part of his, his sort of school duty, he has to write home every so often. And he, I mean, if we're to, if we believe some of his letters, he was treated pretty miserably at school, um, and he's forced to write these sort of nice letters to his mother, saying, you know, dear mum, I mean, although he doesn't call her dear mum, but you know, everything's everything's fine. Um, and then in one letter, he, he he seems to have sort of snuck it out by himself and got it sort of conveyed secretly. And he says, you know, I'm being really badly mistreated here. Um, and people are sending letters out that you know that without me, you know that aren't that aren't correct. Um, he says, "Do not believe any letter sent by me unless it is sealed with my own seal, mm. and that will prove that it's coming from him." So you get this sort of idea of a of a sort of you know of a sort of quite sort of precocious, stuck up, but also playful child who's sort of in this sort of little. You get this sort of sense of child a childhood world. Yeah, yeah. you know this sort of culture of childhood. I encourage you all to go and have a have a look at these letters. They're 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 more or less modernized. Uh, you can read the the transcripts of them. They're wonderful, where would wonderful we find them again? collection in the Lyle letters edited by Muriel St Clair Burn or you could read several of my books uh, where, <laughs> where, where well, I talk God, about stop. them in great detail.
1: <laughs> well, um I no, I think looking back in the past is always it is it is a magical place, and but I think um, doing the history of childhood is particularly magical, and
2: uh, we just touched on it, and there are yes. so many different
0: different we aspects do child, of it.
2: Childhood two, let's do childhood. Two. One of the things we haven't looked at um, is ch- children's relationships with parents, and particularly as children grow up. You know, and their relationships with with parents. But what have we done? We've done games. We've done innocence. We've done card tricks. We've done cons. We've, we've done,
1: done bricks. Yeah, bricks, bricks being thrown up. Accidents. Yes, all sorts. Uh, Hamlet. It's all good. Um, if you like what you hear I liked what I heard I really enjoyed Good. that one Please leave us a review on iTunes Please do It really matters Subscribe to the podcast And tell all of your friends
2: We're on Twitter You can follow me At Dr Sam Willis And you can follow me At James Daybell You can follow Histories of the Unexpected On At Unexpected Pod We are deeply proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other fantastic shows.
1: You can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips and all sorts of stuff at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. And we've got our own website on its way. So thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.